When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Rufus Wainwright, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. Welcome to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, a Pantheon podcast. Music, culture, conversation, and good old-fashioned rock and roll. So now, I give you Miss Pamela and her pajama party. Hello, dolls. This is Pamela Debar. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I have a very, 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 very special guest. One of my heroes, actually, and someone that, you know, I've had a crush on, you know, ever since I laid eyes on him and heard him. It is John Doe. John Doe from X and the Knitters and the Flesh Eaters and lots and lots of solo stuff. And I actually love his solo stuff, his more countryish music. He's so talented and so smart, and I am so excited to have him. So have a listen. John. Hi, Pamela. God, I wish you were sitting right here on my couch in your pajamas. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, fun fact, uh, I just I just wear my boxer shorts for pajamas. Oh, now you got the skinny. <laughs> that's, literally. That's, that's pretty enticing way to start the show. Well, I try to, you know, be as racy as possible without getting um, too deep in the weeds. 
you know? well, today I have John Doe here with me, which is such a thrill and an honor. You know, you know how I feel about you. And it's not just me. H- how many girls have had crushes on you through the years? I mean, you're you, for a lot of women, all ages, especially sort of in my age and group, a little younger. You're like it, you know, <laughs> you're like, I've talked to so many girls about you and it's like, Ooh, John Doe. I mean, they're all very excited. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, now I'm really glad I'm not sitting on your couch. Cause I'd really be blushing. Oh, and, um, well, you know, that stuff, you know, I'm, it, it's doesn't, it doesn't matter what, if I really knew it, then I wouldn't be much fun Washing. to be with. Then, then I'd be all <laughs> full of myself and it would be no That's fun. That's true. That's but, true. Um, but I appreciate that. I'm flattered. And and um, I assume that the re- question was rhetorical on how many I, I'm i flattered. And yeah. it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cute. And uh, Well, um, it's the truth. Well, Jeez. just, you know, that's, it's weird, but. I I'm so happy that, you know, I'm glad to be here with you and I could ask you the same question. How many boys have had crushes on Miss <laughs> Pamela DeBar? Oh, right. yes. Right. I like to think so. Yeah. It's, it's been yeah. a while, John. <laughs> you oh. know, uh, it, I don't think that matters, but I, what I'm saying is that whenever I mention Pamela DeBar, they go like, Ooh, <laughs> they do. Totally well, introduce good. me to a few of those. Okay. Because that would be oh, cool. I'll work. You know? I'll start. I'll start uh, taking names. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten very <laughs> finicky though through, the, you know, I mean, it's not like I haven't had some options, but I've yeah. gotten pretty finicky through the years. Yes. Well, yeah. one, one has to be discerning. Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, yeah. You, you grow up and you, and you, you, you actually get a little wiser. You know, yes. people question that, but I, I have found that to be true. <laughs> uh, yes. Although we seem to learn the same lesson a lot of different ways, don't we? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, we're all here to do the same thing, but, you know, I guess we could get seriously philosophical. But I want to talk about about you because you're my guest. Yes, and you have done so many things. You are like the man of all seasons, the man of all reasons, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's incredible yeah, what the heck you've done. Well, I I still have some ambition. And, of course. Um, and and I I like to. I think it's I think it's important to take to take advantage of opportunities. If if you think you can, and even if you don't think you can do something. Um, that's worthwhile. If that's worthwhile, if something kind of speaks to you and you think you it might be um, a learning uh, process, or or it might take you out of your comfort zone, or or um, or you might be, you know, actually contribute something, then you should do it. You know, and so well, you're yeah. a fabulous example of that. Well, I mean, yeah, you, I, you started with X, obviously. Yeah. Right. That was your first band here in L.A. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would say um, as a uh, creator, I guess I started with, um, you know, playing in bar bands in Baltimore and and learning and trying to learn how to write because I, I did go to school uh, at Antioch College. Oh, but they had they had branches like all over the place. Right. In those days. And, and you, you could get, a, you know, some federal funding 
this is in the mid early mid seventies. And so I, I took like writing poetry mm -hmm. class. Good. It wasn't like poetry class. It was like mostly a tutorial. Uh -huh. And uh, so I think as a creator, I mean, I tried to learn how to play bass and, but really, you know, in an artistic way, I think it was poetry that, you know, that I, that propelled you. Yeah. Or that, you know, I, that, that's how I hung out with artists and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like there was a, there's still a big um, art college in Baltimore called the Maryland Institute of Art. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still keep in touch with a few friends. I actually just started um, doing a monthly uh, poetry zoom call oh. with, with some of the people that I worked with and knew back in Baltimore, which was so fun. You know, my uh, mentor and teacher, Grace Cavallari and Jeff Himes, who's a, a writer, has written a bunch of um, music books and stuff. Anyway. And you're still in touch with them. That's very cool. Well, I, I kind of just got just recently got back in touch with them. Oh. Jeff, I, I've known over the years because he's written a couple articles about um, X and my solo stuff. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so he said, hey, you know, we're do we do this thing where we, you know, we each read a poem and there's about six or seven of them of, of us and uh and we just kind of give each other some feedback and it's all pretty high level so which is nice there's not like somebody who's just you know a, a newbie yeah yeah and and doesn't it hasn't worked you know and yeah it's pretty cool but yes then la was the first like real band that i was in and and you came here to to pursue that correct yeah. I mean, I thought I was going to like maybe be a songwriter. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine and I went to LA in uh, the spring of 75 and we actually sold a couple of songs cool. um, to, to, well, to a guy that, you know, <laughs> actually never paid us. And it was a perfect like introduction, you know, and, and, <laughs> and I, 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 I'm writing, about, I wrote about this uh, somewhere and I, I'm, you know, maybe I'll do a, uh, you know, memoir, but you should, I, I, you I can't should. remember. I can't remember this guy's name, but he was, he was a really elegant black man. And, and he had this publishing company and he said that he would pay us, you know, $500 for the, you know, for the song, like, and $500 for the publishing. And then we tried to call him back and the number was disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but he took the songs. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Well, who knows? Who cares? I wonder what happened to him. You know, you, you couldn't seek people out back then. Yeah. Well, actually, what, what we did is we we looked in the uh, yellow pages under <laughs> like music publishers. And there was a list of people and we called a bunch of people like just cold called publishing companies. And most of the people just said, are you get No, goodbye. <laughs> just that's that's how it was done i yeah. you know tom petty came out here right around that same time and yeah. dropped tapes off to record companies that that's how it was done back then right yeah. i mean that's yeah. how people it's so different how, yes. could, could you have imagined how different it's become in every kind of possible way i know i know wow. but but i mean i kind of hoped that you know i might perform but i was just i just wanted to get out of baltimore and you know, actually do something rather than talk about it. Cause that's what a lot of people would do, you know? Yeah, sure. Still. I yeah. mean, even in bigger cities, people would talk about what they're going to do and then they wouldn't do anything. Yeah. And, um, 
but Baltimore was great to, you know, for, for, a a, a young Bohemian, you know, I, how did I you to, be, how, how did you become a Bohemian? I and mean, was your family creative? Uh, my mom sang, uh, kind of like opera style stuff, just mm. in college and stuff. Mm-hmm. And my dad played, um, piano, like long, you know, classical type stuff, long hair stuff. Uh-huh. Well, um, that's a musical family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely uh, learned how to sing from her. Yeah. You know, right. and um, but no, they were not bohemians. They were just uh, my dad was a librarian. <laughs> you uh-huh. know? So, I mean, he just wanted to hide. You know, he didn't want to be in sales or or have to meet people and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I was just drawn to it. You know, I mean, in Baltimore, it was it was also, you know, that was the height of John Waters. Um, oh, yes. Right around then. Yeah, and, and John would John would come down to this bar that that my friend and I played at. And we, you know, he'd just be sitting at the bar having a cocktail and I'd walk up to him and talk. We talk about like Tennessee Williams or something like oh, that. Oh, how wonderful. It was pretty fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, and, and you couldn't really. um promote or 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 you know monetize anything in baltimore then right so so people just did art for the hell of it they just did it just to do something you know and 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 la and you came to la to to pursue your goals yes and did so well well it turned out (laughs) pretty good it turned out pretty good i mean you know, we're going to play the Greek theater. I know. I just saw that for $79. What an interesting amount of money. Well, there are also $19 tickets. Oh, are oh so those are the top tier ones. Yeah. Okay. The, the weirdest thing is that we. I just talked to our manager about this. And um, whatever, uh, whoever is selling the tickets is like the default is going to the like premium VIP thing. And it's going to like a 200 or $400 ticket. Oh, and people are saying, this is fucking bullshit. And we're (laughs) saying, no, 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 no. This is just your Google Chrome default. That's, you know, or or no, it's a ticket master. Ticketmaster, like the default is going to that. And so he had some words with them and evidently it's, it's not going to that, but yeah, it's like 19 to, $80 $80 or something. Yeah. Like yeah. 79 was the one I saw, yeah. but um, it's been 40 years since we first played there. We played there God. after we put out um, wild gift. Yeah. And I forget who opened, but um, my mom was there, which was very sweet. Oh, <laughs> and, so cool. and um, the Greek is awesome. The Greek yeah. is one of my favorite venues ever. Yeah. We, we had a hard time playing there because we had never played on a stage that big and, oh. you know, outside sound tends to just kind of go away. It, it's, yeah. it's really hard to, to, you know, we've been playing at the whiskey and yeah, yeah. In clubs yeah. and stuff like that. We yeah. never played a big stage like that. We were totally, totally out of our league. It was like, we went off stage and thought, Oh man, we just bombed so hard. No, I'm sure but, you um, didn't. The last I, time I saw you guys play was outside. It sounded great. You yeah. Like well, downtown. It's some, I, I don't know what building it was, but it was outside on the patio. And, oh, yeah, and, the Pershing Square. Yes. And, yes. And, and you guys gave Mercy and I a shout out 
Miss Mercy from yeah. GTOs, and she was so thrilled with that. Yes. She, yeah, that went that she meant a an, lot to her. She was another doll. Oh yeah, that's for Absolutely. sure. <laughs> no yeah. one like her. Yeah. We're losing we're losing people. Oh. Well, it happens. It happens. But yeah, I mean, at this point, we played outside plenty and played bigger places. Yeah, so yeah. it is going to be great. And there's a kind of interesting band called Horror Pops hmm. that are um, in the middle. And then the Blasters are opening. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. I didn't know the Blasters were opening. Is Phil going to sing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. He was under the weather. Yes, he's had some physical challenges for sure. Yeah. yeah. But um, funny enough is... is Regardless, I mean, you know, he had that crazy episode in Spain where he yes. had a, yes. a well, tooth that's... blow up on him and then he, you know, died on the, yes, you he know, because he, he, his, his uh, throat swelled up and all this kind of shit. And, but after he recovered from that, he still had some props, some physical problems, yeah. but he has sang, sung his ass off. Yeah, I know. He regardless. never stopped singing his ass off. It's just, it's incredible. It's, he's like a, you know wonder of the world i know his voice is so incredible and his yeah. attitude and everything about him yeah and dave too i just love them yes they're, they're yeah. the best and the yeah, knitters well, you know well, i dave, love all your bands but the knitters is my favorite band you played in <laughs> that's pretty fun <laughs> no, it's it was so really fun. really fun i mean so and we fun. started we started the knitters right you know when you know, like Rank and File and Lone Justice and Tex and the Horseheads and, and all those bands were going. And, um, you know, it was we started it because Dave and Xena and I would hang around and play old songs and and uh, we loved it. And we said, well, let's just do this for a benefit. I think the first time we played was a benefit for the uh, for the Zero One Gallery, which well, was I remember you know, that place. Yeah. Just, the wow. Zero Zero was just a place that we could go and drink after hours. It was, <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. were we were such nuts back then you know we we go we go to the zero at like 2 30 in the morning and then drink until like six and then we walk out and the sun was up it was like oh my god oh god almighty it's like an acid trip i remember taking uh, acid and it's the sun coming up and that wasn't the best part of it <laughs> 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 um why don't we hear a knitter song i love burning house of love Right on. Let's hear it. Drive by my house late at night. You can't see from the freeway, but no silhouette but a light left on, burning there for love. Smoke is rising from the back. Coming out my back door I'm inside Sound asleep I remember seeing them uh, Them outside too May have even have been in the same area That was downtown I saw the knitters play And I was so thrilled And I approached you at that time To see if you would If I could talk to you about your Um you know, your roots and, and what got you started. I was going to do this book about, you know, your favorite musicians and how you, you know, decided to play. And yours was the doors. And I was, yeah. 
Yeah, I remember that was a great conversation, but they didn't let me do that book. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well. I got some great interviews and yours was so fabulous. Huh. And yeah, but let's talk about that. The Doors. Very interesting. I love The Doors. Yeah, that was your, the band that inspired you, you said. Uh, abs- absolutely. Well, I mean, one of them, uh, especially in um, writing. I mean, yeah. I, I love yeah. their, their music because it was so uh like so direct but orchestrated uh, i mean it was they their their heroes were you know chicago blues players and that and that's the same thing it's like a you know string quartet or something everything has to have its place and everybody listens to each other and and it's all very organic and 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 not um there's nothing that's manufactured about it. It's just, it just is. And, uh, you know, the way Jim Morrison's <laughs> words were so economical, mm-hmm. I mean, they had, they had mystery and they had, um, you know, all kinds of, uh, subject matters and stories that you wouldn't ordinarily hear, but, but the core of it was that it, there was so many pictures, so many scenes, and it was so economical. Um, and, and I still love the fact that the doors are really, um, controversial. Well, you know, some, they, some they were elegant them. and wild. You yes. know, it was, it was that Absolutely. fabulous combo. And of course him, you know, yes. uh, yeah. he was about as pretty as it gets and, and just, yeah, was. and he didn't seem to notice it or care about that, which made yeah. it more, even more charming and sexy and all that. Did you, uh, were you there when, when they were playing on the Sunset Strip? Oh, all the time. Yeah. They, oh I, I saw them so many times. There was a time there was this weird little club called The Experience. Oh, yeah. And it didn't last very long. I've heard that's, about a, it. that's the first place I saw them. And you could go up to, you know, I leaned on the stage, you know, and he laid oh. down in front of me this close, you know. Oh my God. So I was like, oh, it was pretty mesmerizing to see them for the first time. I'm so, sure. So then they became the house band at the whiskey. And I saw, I, I saw him so much. I saw his rise and his demise. Yeah. So yeah. it was a, it was, it's qu- quite a story because yeah. wow. It was just alcohol that did him in, you know, that's a killer. Yeah. It'll, it'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. yeah i remember one night he was sleeping in the gutter in front of the whiskey sleeping, <laughs> curled up you know sleeping and people would just step over him but, but that's not the jim morrison that people remember yes they remember that beautiful adonis with the beads you know oh yeah and that's good yeah. let him remember him that way sure i saw him yeah. always yeah he was a he was a sunset strip fixture you know, like Rodney or Kim right. Fowley. He was just, he was just there. <laughs> like Rodney or Kim Fowley, but very, very different than both of Rodney and Kim Fowley. <laughs> you knew them. We know Rodney. I'm sure you knew Kim Fowley, right? Well, I've, I, I met Kim Fowley a couple of times. He oh, you didn't know seemed, him, know him? No, uh, he always seemed, you know, creepy. And it turns out he was. So there's uh, <laughs> <laughs> right true well he was always nice to me and he never he nice. yeah, but yeah then he, he never you know was creepy to me 
I well, was probably not young you. enough. I hate to be rude, but I was probably yeah. not quite young right. enough for him to be creepy to me at the time. He wasn't young. <laughs> you weren't young enough to, to be given knockout drops and then who knows what, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if knockout drops existed in 1965 when I met him. Yeah, well, they were probably called something else, but yeah. Well, let's get on with something. That was um <laughs> meeting meeting Ray. Raymond's Eric and yeah. did you work with him. I'm, I was uh, just going to bring that up. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. It was, you know, just like a heavenly dream for, for Xene and I, yeah. I think Billy and Billy and DJ were, were less um, doors fans. Um, but obviously yeah. they, you know, got to know Ray and, and Ray was one of those people that talked the talk and walked the walk. I mean, all the mystical stuff that, that he and Jim Morrison talked about, he believed it wasn't just sort of a, a you know, something to say uh, mm -hmm. to, to sound mm -hmm. cool. You know, he yeah. believed that that people's souls come from someplace out in the ether and they are, you know, divinely placed into a body. And then they, you know, have this whole story and fate that's going to happen to them. And, and, you know, and, yeah, that was, that was I like, believe that too, though. I believe uh, that too. I do too. Yeah. But. You know, and, and I believe everything happens for a reason. Most people don't believe that, yeah. Yeah. but you know, yeah. And it's, it goes on and on and on. I've right. recently, you know, I'm into Buddhism. I've done it all. And now I'm into Buddhism. Yes. Yes. And I'm really enjoying the chanting and everything. You know, yeah. when, when you have a shitty thought, you can stop. And it goes away. Yes. So, you know, as long as you can find a way to stop the shitty thoughts, whatever works for you is. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the boo birds and the, and the, and the bad talk, uh, you know, self chatter is it's a killer. Yeah. It, that's, it, really is. yeah. it kills your spirit. It kills your creativity. It kills any forward or, or even sideways movement you might make. It's it paralyzing. And, it's paralyzing. Yeah. That's the word. No. especially if you listen to it, but there are ways you can just stop that. There are all kinds of tricks. Yes. And I've, I I've learned them all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do that in my own way, but um, to get back to Ray. Yes. <laughs> You're very that, good well, at this. No, I, I, I've, I've only done <laughs> it a few times. Have you done? <laughs> I've only done it a few times, but I learned a lot while I was okay. <laughs> the, the four times that I did it. Um, no, I I love talking about that that kind of um, spiritual in in a in a non-religious yeah way. yeah yeah because I think that if you don't if if you don't find some satisfaction in your life somewhere in your forties or fifties, then you're just going to become a mean, uh, angry old person. Yeah, because and, you listen to your ego. Yes. That's what and, and that's actually something I've been working on the last like three or four years. And I don't think I really had a clear idea of what that was. Hmm. You know, I, I knew what the word was. I yeah. sort of knew what it, you know, what someone who was egotistical was, but I didn't right. understand the whole, like how, if you're, you know, let your ego get it, get a, you know, a handle or overtake you then you do start thinking that everything is about you and you do start, you know, you, you can't separate that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's all coming at you. <clears throat> it's all focused on you. 
Yeah. And, and it just isn't. No, no it's not. <laughs> well, what, I, what, I, what I'll oftentimes tell people if they think, you know, oh, someone's thinking this about me. And it's like, they're probably not because they're probably thinking about themselves. That's exactly correct. <laughs> you know, That's probably- it. <laughs> too wrapped it's, up in their own bullshit <laughs> it's that old devil and angel thing it's the same yeah. you know it's it's so you don't listen to the devil you just flick it off your shoulder and you know right. but it's it's a it's vigilance it's just yes. it is not vigilance uh, it's not uh, for the squeamish no no it's and that's what we're here for you know and when you figure that out then things change i think so I think we are. I mean, if if there's a purpose to being here, um, it is to learn and grow and change and see, you know, be accepting. Because once you start saying yeah. no and start shutting things away, then then you I think it's very easy for as you get older to make your world smaller. Mm hmm. And, yeah, it and seems we've to seen happen. that yeah. we've seen that with a lot of you know like parents and aunts and uncles and things like that. Yes, they they because they get scared, and it's easy to get scared because maybe physically you're not quite as you know limber or or you're not quite as uh, you know you can't recover as quickly or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think the job is to try to continue to expand or 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 look at things in an expansive or open kind of way. Because That's exactly it. That's the, the expanding of the solar plexus actually happens. And you know, what started that for me was music. Yeah. It, it, you know, it just, you, you relate to whatever it is, the art of so much that you really f- expand. It really feels like that's what's happening. And, yeah. and when you close off to things, that's the opposite of that. Yeah. And you wind up sitting at home like my mom did. She just was content to smoke and watch TV. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> God bless her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I've got it. We got to take a little short break right now. Okay. We'll be right back. Yes. Yeah, so we're back Thank now you. with John. Okay. Dunn. So let me, let me just say one more thing about Ray since we. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about Ray. Stuff. And he would, <laughs> he would love the fact because I, at that point I was not nearly as aware or, um, open to that kind of conversation it was like okay cool i'll you know and maybe that was one of my introductions to it was you know having him in our in our life but yeah i give him so much credit for not being or or, or not thinking that he had to be a certain kind of quote producer so he took a lesson from the way the doors recorded which is to like get a great performance Make sure that you mean it. Make sure that you know there's there's not some terrible mistakes and things like that. Yeah. But to but to let the band live and breathe and just happen. Let it mm-hmm. just let it happen. And and be there. Be you know uh, involved. Be you know emotional about it. You know make it make it as good as you can. Don't hold on too tight and and um, just let it happen. And and he didn't think like oh well I've got to fix something here. Because right. the band X was, we had our thing and, and it was like, like it or not, it was our thing, you know, and, and we're still kind of doing that. And we, you're still uh, and, doing and I, it 40 years later. Yeah. More than wow. that. More That's than amazing. That. But, but Ray, I give Ray a lot of credit for, 
for understanding that there's a lot of people that also let their ego get into involved and think they, as a producer, they have to, you know, insert themselves and, and fix stuff or add stuff or make it different because they're the fucking producer. And it's like, that's the worst kind of producer. I've worked with a few people like that and it's, it's really a drag. It's just no fun. You know? Well, so it was more like a live performance. He was trying to get that Absolutely. feel. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we overdubbed stuff. We overdubbed vocals and, but we were all playing together in the same room, you know, mm-hmm. amps yeah. in a different room and things like that. But the old <clears throat> he just let it, he just let it be what it was, you know, rather than try to, you know, make it into something pop or something, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. so. I still, I still miss Raymond's Eric. He was a great man. Yes, know. I knew him a little bit. You know, I saw him around. He was always very pleasant. And I did interview him one time also. I think it was yeah. for that same project. I was really, it was called Under the Influence. And I was, it was such a good idea, I thought, you know, getting yeah. people to talk about their influences. But could revive it. Yeah, maybe I will. I could do yeah. a self-publishing thing now. Sure. You know? And I want to talk, there's so many things I want to talk about. Um, I love the Golden State song. Oh, uh, it's and, and there's a line in there about about the Golden State. What is that line again about the the actual Golden uh, State line? We we are love. We are hate. We are uh, something of the, the <laughs> like the way you make me feel in the Golden State. Something about the yeah. love of the Golden State. And well, I, it's and, it's two meanings. It's like okay. you know. Yes, in California, but also like a state of feeling. Yes, yes, golden. yes, right. Oh, I see. Well, you know, I'm from the Golden State, and and I have a, a feeling about it, and that made me feel love for my state, even though yeah. I'm very worried about the drought. <laughs> yes, well. but I do love my state. It was so idyllic growing up here. It was, you know, in the valley. It was just like leave it to Beaver, man. It really. I know. Was. I can't but, imagine. Why don't we hear a little bit of Golden State? Okay. so beautiful when yes when when did you write that and Uh, there's so many beautiful comparisons in that i mean (laughs) god just divine Uh, i wrote that when um i was in love with my current um partner uh who goes by the handle featherweight studio oh chrissy is her name chrissy tegerstrom Uh But um, we couldn't be together. I I was uh, uh, divorcing and, uh, you know, but I was totally Mm. in love with her. And and so it's funny because a few people have used that song for like in their wedding, you know, like this is our wedding song or something. Because it does say, you know, 
you are the hole in my head. You're I know, don't, I know. It's neck, so good. You're the, you know, lump in my throat and things yes, like that. Yes, I know. But, so but it's like, uh, you, you are the feeling, the, the end of the chorus is, you're the feeling I get when you walk away. So mm-hmm. we, it's all about like not being able to be together. People <laughs> <Yes. laughs> was like, oh, we use this for our wedding song. And I think you didn't actually listen to that song very, <laughs> well, very well, did you? <laughs> well, some of it made sense yeah. to them. Some right. of the, yeah, because, you know, it's never perfect. I mean. Right. But in, in real life, it has a, it has a happy ending. And I would say it was back in, uh, oh, I don't know, early 2000s, maybe mm. 2003 or four, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you feel about reading us one of your poems? Uh, well, you'll have to just bear. Um, sure. I would love um, that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, yeah. I don't know if I have one like within arm's reach. Well, that's okay. We can wait a little bit. You know, oh, I got. I, I do have one. There you go. Okay. Good. Uh, well, it's because of this poetry group that I was telling yes. you about. Yes. Good. Like, good. Here, um, and actually, this is uh, th- these are lyrics to a song that uh, is going to be on a new record that I'm putting out. Oh, um, goody. I was going to ask about year. a new record. Yeah, it's um, the record is called uh, Fables in a Foreign Land, hmm. and it all takes place in the like late 1800s. So Whoa. there's no telephones. It's, it's sort of a concept, but... Um, there's no telephones. There's no like modern stuff. It's right. it's even pre-industrial. You know, it's like maybe there's railroads, but you know nothing else. So um, this is called After the Fall. Okay. After the fall, to a bountiful land came hungry people who couldn't tell good from bad. All they had was they were hungry. He hid in the reeds blood in the water. His body was weak. He dreamed of his daughter. She was a warrior. After the fall and into the night, they lost the battle, but continued the fight. They continued to fight. She stood on a hill, looked to the sea. She dreamed of her father down on his knees. His hands held high. He prayed to the sky. To a generous land came thirsty people. They drank the rivers and left the fish to die. Then cried they were hungry. They were thirsty. They were lonely and cruel, self-righteous, relentless. They were fearful and vengeful, insatiable. Oh, awesome. there you go. Yes, fantastic. There's the destruction of our beautiful. Hey, I was just going to say, and true. The destruction of our beautiful land in a nutshell. <laughs> Sadly true. You know, I think about it a lot, you know, getting to be a certain age and eventually, you know, going to leave the planet sooner than, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm thinking about this beautiful planet like that a lot and, and no. how humans have just fucked it up royally yeah. and and you know and i get this image of a a big shaggy wet dog just shaking us off one day mm-hmm. because we're just like the, the you know some bugs on a big shaggy dog we can just be shaken off anytime that's a that's a great image a, a great uh, metaphor because i know 
And it's astounding that that people just don't think, I mean, that they're so short-sighted. Um, I know. That, There's a certain group of people that yeah. are it's, obdurate. The they're what? They're obdurate. Isn't that the right word? I don't know that. I'm going to learn a new word today. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just refuse to see. Refuse yes. to see, right? I think that's what that word means. <laughs> I'm going to look it up after we're done. Okay. And that's going to be exciting. <laughs> oh, I love learning new words. <laughs> yes. Talk Do about you... getting, let's get, you know, on this section of the podcast, <laughs> Pamela and John don't get nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big nerd because I'm a writer. You know, I think most writers are, yes. are very nerdy because you spend a lot of time alone. Yes. And, you know, with your words, just like you do. Obdurant. Oh, obdurant. Is that it? Ob oh, no. Obdurate. Obdurate. Yeah. yeah. Stubbornly persistent in wrongdoing. Wow. I got it right. Fuck yes. <laughs> Hardened in feelings. Yes, hardened the feelings. Obdurate, That's exactly it. The obdurate <laughs> enemy was merciless. Wow. Resistant to persuasion or softening influences. <laughs> you don't want to get called obdurate. <laughs> no, sir. But isn't that how they yes. act? Yes. No. Oh, that well, makes, it's I'm, funny. I was talking to somebody. About, you know, there's, there's that thing in um, Native American culture where you're supposed to think about like uh, seven generations in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Can we? And, Can we even think well, that? No, part? no, we can't because no. people can't even think of like what fucking off ramp to get off on. So they've got it. <laughs> so they don't have to cross like four yes. lanes from <sighs> left to right to get off on that off ramp that they forgot they were going to get off on. It's like they can't <laughs> even plan like to the end of the motherfucking month or, yes, or just like, What's where am happening? I going? What's happened? I think it has a lot to do with, you know, technology, of course, you know, yeah. I mean, everything's so fast, it has to be fast. And everything has to be, you know, they have all these horrible things where you can fix your face perfectly online, but you don't look a thing like that. What yeah. are those things about? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, you we're know, just it's, old you know, crotchety folks. We don't understand. No, no, it's, it's just like, <laughs> what's, what's real and what's not. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, what wasn't, yeah. you know, it's like, I'm all about things that are, that, that have, you know, that are real, that, that, that you can experience, you know, not And when I say real, I, I am including the supernatural and, and just, you know, feelings and all that sort of stuff, but the things that are actually that aren't fake that are actual and not <laughs> virtual. Yes. Yes. That are not fake, fake right. everything. It's just, but you know, it's infuriating. You did, but, <laughs> but you got to remain I, optimistic. You got to yeah, because yes, it, it makes it worse otherwise. And I and I know that there are young people in in rock and roll bands. I know that there are young artists that are that support that. that yeah, oh, that, that yeah. move towards that, and they do know their musical history, and they do know history in general. And and I'm in that way, I'm somewhat optimistic. Yes, I am too. I, you know, I teach these women's writing workshops all ages and they, they're very attracted to the past, the music yeah. that was made and the things we were, you know, women's rights and all the things that, you know, psychedelics and those things, because it, it was, it, it was, it was real. They see it as something that, 
that had meaning that was going on, you know? So they, they still are really attracted to that. What was LA like when you first got here? Can you explain that? I wanted to, I mean, it was different, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think LA, I mean, I, I had been to New York because I was living in Maryland, living in Baltimore. And my parents, my dad had, had gotten a job in Brooklyn. And so they, I, I could go to New York in, you know, 73, 74 mm-hmm. and have a place to stay for That's free. Cool. That's very yeah. cool. And probably do my laundry and probably, you know, get <laughs> something to eat as well. Fuck yeah. <laughs> So I, I went to CBGB's a few times and, and LA like New York was just in a state of freaking decay. And it was wonderful. It was like, <laughs> yes. yeah. Oh, what? Nobody cares about like the state of Hollywood Boulevard. Nobody wants to clean it up. <laughs> no, it was a mess then. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when I moved here, the, the, third O of the Hollywood sign had fallen down. <laughs> so they're so they're like beacon of of like this is our town and there it is on the mountainside and one of the O's just fell down and there wasn't enough fucking civic pride to have somebody say, hey Bobby, maybe we ought to fix the O so when people come to Hollywood it doesn't look like shit. <laughs> Gee, you think? <laughs> oh, yes. Things were crumbling around then. You know, in the 60s, there was still, you know, there was some glamour to it. When I was hanging out on the strip, there was still some glamour. But when you got here, the it was punky. It was things had gotten punk. And that, oh. I see why, because it was falling apart in that, in that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, really, the hol- I mean, we didn't go up to the Sunset Strip until probably 78 eight maybe seven mm. well i mean sort of 77 but more i mean uh what's her name the not marshall burrow but michelle michelle meyer myers the booking she was my agent. best friend back yes. then yeah god bless her god bless her she didn't want to she didn't understand punk rock <laughs> and she didn't she's like what the fuck is this and it took the fact that you know they were having a light crowd at the whiskey and there were 200 people in the basement at the mask yeah or, or at some social hall like basis hall or or the larchmont hall you know those lasted like two or three times maybe before somebody messed them up and we couldn't go back there but there was 150 people or 200 people at those places and mm. there was like 40 people at the whiskey and they finally said uh-oh well we got to <laughs> fix this and yeah but um yeah there was uh did michelle really- hire you guys to play the whiskey after a, yeah. After we had sort of proven ourselves. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I yeah, think the yeah. star would, the star would was a little more accepting. Uh huh. Yeah. Course. She, she, she booked the Starwood too for a long time. Did she? She, she got with it. She yeah. did. She got, she got with it. Yeah. I miss that era. So, you know, I just had my kid, my kid was born in 78. So yeah. I was really momming out in those days <laughs> for you. You have to. Yes. You have to. <laughs> well, you would be surprised. There's plenty of moms and dads, but I mean, dads, people sort of expect to be absent, which is a sadly, shame. sadly, sadly. Yes. But there are also plenty of moms that are that don't nurture and are not great. I, well, I, this is a new thing to me. 
I was I've, very, very, very momming. Of course, I was you a mom. Were. I was a serious mom. Of course, you were. Because <laughs> you're a good person. It never, you, yeah. it never stops. You're a mom yeah. and a dad for forever. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's it's really sad when when you find people um, whose moms don't have that mothering instinct. They just and, don't and it, have it. Yeah, and, and they and people don't talk about it. You know, and it's like. <laughs> well, they do in my writing workshops. I hear yeah. so many stories about, you know, non-love, you know, and, and it's yeah. affected their entire lives. And there's, yeah. it takes a lot of work They're, to get past that. They probably have complex PTSD. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Kind they of were... ongoing, kind of subtle seeming, yeah. but no, it's not. It's very, it's really present. It's really there. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about your acting career because it's astounding how many roles you've played. God, the one uh, I, was, I, re I remember that I loved seeing you in, of course, was Sugartown. Yeah, that was Allison fun. Anders, you know, yes. and Michael, my ex-husband was in that, too. Yep. Yep. That was a good movie. It was pretty fun. I mean, I remember at the time it was uh, on quite a shoestring budget, which is yeah. cool because then you don't have a bunch of people you know, expecting to you to do something that you'd rather not do. Um, yeah, it was real. And, and you know what? I watched some pieces of that the other day and there was some really funny shit in there. Yeah, there was, there was some really comedic. I mean, especially with, um, with Michael and uh, Beverly D'Angelo. Uh, yes. But, but no, with the band, with, with the John Taylor. Yeah. With, Steve John Jones. Taylor and it was an amazing cast, let's face yes. it. <laughs> and, but I'm trying to think of who who was the other guy from like Spandau Ballet or or mm. wow, I don't remember that. But it was four of them. And and one of them was um oh god, the, the producer that worked with Joni Mitchell so much. Um Larry Klein was the was the kind of engineer producer dude okay and, and but they were all like so full of themselves and it was so <laughs> funny the way that they they were like yeah they had all had their moment and they were trying to do a super group and they couldn't get signed yes 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 it was a really funny script it was, it was a great funny script. shit in there yeah i love the way you you took your music into you know country alternative country whatever you want to call it graham called yeah. it cosmic american music and and i never would have even thought about country music if it weren't for him he played yeah. me George Jones and Merle and Waylon real early on, 1968. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to him for that. Who turned you onto country music? How did uh, you get involved in that? I would say it was just on the radio hmm. for for one, you know, in the in the 50s and 60s when I grew up, you know, there would be certain songs like um Oh, I don't know. Ones you wouldn't think of, but but they had this country twinge to them, you mm -hmm. know. I mean, Roger Miller was was a big yeah, you know, like Great superstar. And and there were, you know, country influenced things. And and of course you couldn't get away from Elvis Presley and, and stuff like that. But I I would kind of credit um one of my uh girlfriends who was from Alamogordo, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she played Hank Williams just oh. kind of nonstop. So. And I, you know, I knew, 
you know, hey, good looking or you're mm. cheating heart or something mm. like that, you know, just because it's in the ether. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, she she had like two or three records that she and this was, I guess, in 72, maybe 73, something like that. And and she was also, you know, hanging around the artist community in Baltimore. And and then, you know, Exine and Billy and the Blasters were, you know, big country music mm, mm. Um, fans. And you could you could, you know, find the records like Webb Pierce records and yeah. George Jones records and Tammy Wynette records in the thrift store for 50 cents because yes. nobody gave a shit. That's right. Uh, and that was, you know, so you could just do that. And, and, you know, it, it got more serious, I think, in the probably late 70s. Jeffrey Lee Pierce was also a, a big lover of country music. And he, he had a pretty, you know, Phil, Phil Alvin has a crazy collection of 78s. I mean, mm. he's more into the, you know, raw blues stuff. But, um, you know, both he and Dave... Yeah, they yeah incredible record collections. Well, they're they they really <laughs> expand their repertoire is all very expansive too, and they cover a lot of that yeah. ground. And your latest album, The Westerner, has a lot has a lot of that a tinge of that. And I would like okay. to play my favorite song on that. Okay, which is Go Baby Go. Oh, all right. dance <laughs> um but i would say the, the the reason that i kind of gravitated towards that is like what can you what what other influences can you bring into your music because mm. you're you're trying to you know not just get stuck in one thing yeah right yeah sure um, and and not that you have to I, I don't believe you have to reinvent yourself all the time because some people can and some people can't, and you don't have to. Right, right. You're not, you're not old and boring if you don't reinvent yourself every, you know, record cycle. That's okay for well, me. Well, it, 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 it seems like with you, it just comes naturally. You just, you, you take from things you love and put it into your work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and that's but I think, I think I was, I gravitated towards country Western stuff because it it was something that I felt like deeply and it felt authentic and I could, I could kind of do it and get away with it. Yeah. You know, I could sing yeah. a little Haggard song and it didn't sound dumb. <laughs> no, and, and I, I felt, and, and people said, Oh, that's good. You know, you should do that. You should do more of that. Um, and uh, you know, I, I did one record with the, with this band in Canada called the Sadies who were, 
one of my favorite ever bands. So if you're not familiar with I them. I am not. I, I saw that you were with that band, but I don't know much about oh them. Oh, my God. They're so yeah. good. Oh. Two brothers uh, who kind of front the band, Travis and Dallas. Good. And uh, their dad was actually um, a contemporary. His, his name is Bruce. And he and his brother, I think, yeah, had a had a band in Canada called the Good Brothers, mm. and they were contemporary to Gordon Lightfoot and, mm. and that crowd. Anyway, um, I did a record with the Sadies called Country Club, and we just oh. played as many of the old country standards that we could kind of get away with. Wow, I've got to hear That's that. Fun. I can't oh, believe I heard that. Shoot. It's very much comfort food. <laughs> it's, good, yeah. good. What we do, you know, like stop the world and let me off. We do mm. um, nightlife. Oh, God. Uh, Classic. We, we do a Tammy Wynette song called um, Till I Get It Right. Mm. Um, mm. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on loving until I get it right. <sighs> you know. Love is, has like walked out the door, but I'm going to keep on loving until I get it right. It's, it's a tearjerker. No, there's no more tear. The country Western music is all, almost all tear. The real yeah. stuff is almost yeah. all tear jerky. Yeah. But um, heartrending shit. Yeah. And in, in, in um, Dim Stars and Bright Sky, you were doing a lot of that. Yeah. I, I think the, you know, from the, when I started working with Yep Rock, uh, first record was Forever Hasn't Happened Yet. That's when I really started figuring out what kind of songs I want to do, you know, what, how, how I wanted things to sound. And, and this, this last, this newest record is all, um, boy. all recorded live and it's with a trio. It's just two other guys, a bass player, Kevin Smith, who plays with Willie Nelson. He plays upright bass mm. and, um, and Conrad Chacroon who's played a lot with Patty Griffin and he plays oh. drums and I play guitar and I'm not a great guitar player, but it's just about the songs. I and and we Are they much... songs you all, you wrote? You... What's that? Songs you wrote? Yes. Oh, yeah. Both? During the, during the pandemic. Oh, I was going to ask you about the pandemic. So that's what you did. You wrote a bunch of songs for this record during the pandemic. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Willie uh, goes, is like two weeks on and two weeks off which is incredible that he works six months out of the year because he's 88, I think. Yes. 87. Anyway. So Kevin was gone, you know, quite a bit. I was gone quite a bit playing with X and stuff. And, and then when everything shut down, I called Kevin in April saying, what are you doing? And he goes like, what do you think I'm doing? There's nothing. <laughs> yeah. and, and we had played a little bit together. Um, actually Xene introduced Kevin and I, hmm. and, um, and so I said, well, what if I came over to your patio and we just like mm. hung around and played music? And we did that like three, four times, like once a week for a month or so. And then we realized like, oh, my God, we're just doing this for the hell of it. Yeah, that it's feels for something. Yeah, and, and that was that was pretty, pretty great. Yeah. And then Conrad good. started coming out and, and um, we did that for, I don't know, six, eight months and. I, in the meantime, I was writing different songs and bringing them to them and we were working out the arrangements. And then we recorded it in February of 2020. Mm. Oh, it'll, okay. be out, it'll be out soon. Oh, and, good. Uh, probably in March or April of uh, 2021. 
Okay. How yeah. 22, you mean? 22. I mean, 2022. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's very easy to lose track. <laughs> it's so weird. Isn't the weirdest thing, you know, this is, this is all I want to say about the t- pandemic, because I, I spend way too much time talking about it, which I'm sure <laughs> you probably do too. And sure, it's like, what? <laughs> and, yeah. For good reason. For good reason. Right. Yeah. But um, uh, it's so weird to try to think about when you did something. Yeah. And you, you, oh, that was like two or three years ago. And it's like, actually, it was five years ago because you have 18 months. <laughs> it was yes. like, oh, right. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. I forgot to add on the, the, yeah, the 18 months, months of zero. Of, so, of so not really doing of much. Of not yeah. doing what you usually do, which yes. which made, of course, it just all seems so freakish. I know. I know. And the Zoom thing happened, and I'm grateful for it. I'm yeah. really I'm grateful. It's not the same, of course, but I'm glad about it. It's, it's really yeah. helped my, sure. with my writing workshops and stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure for you, too, for various reasons. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I did a few of the Facebook uh you know, virtual shows. Mm-hmm. And there was a company called Mandolin that I did a few shows with and they were good too. And it was something to do and it was actually paid pretty well. Oh, good. You know? Good. Especially if we're just having to walk into the bedroom and put on a clean shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No travel expenses. It never matters what I wear from here down. I'm a, it's, it's. Yeah. But I know you're wearing something good. Oh, uh, you want to see it? No, sure. Bell bottoms. Yeah. Bell bottoms. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but just huh. to just to prove that we're we're actually wearing pants. <laughs> we get so people are. Oh, I just I'm, want to talk quickly about because we're almost out of time here about your books. Yes, under the big black, big black sun because yes. you know I I actually won that book at an auction at the Palomino when the Palomino was oh yeah about right before the pandemic. Right. Pretty soon before, and I, it's so interesting. I'm so glad you did that because it captures those that time, which you know otherwise would not be captured. Right. And that. Um, and well, why did you do that to capture that time? Right. Well, <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, Tom DeSavia, who I worked on the book with, and and my sweetheart Chrissy, um, kept saying, "Oh, we should write a book," because hmm. you know, like what we just did. I'll tell some stories, but I'm not like a big like raconteur holding forth and you know i don't i don't dig that uh it's not who i am i mean i'll tell like a little funny story and it's fun right you know but they kept saying oh you should write a book and i every time they'd say that i think that sounds like a lot of work yeah (laughs) it is i know i've done five now I know it's, a lot, it's of like, work. That's a lot of work and it's like, I got to sit down and I got to do the thing. And then I got to think about it and all that kind of shit. <laughs> but I would listen to them because I try to listen to my friends and my partner. It's very important to listen to your partner and your friend. Yes. Yes, and, and then I had a, like the one best idea that I had is that it's kind of like a Tom Sawyer thing where I can get somebody else to help me paint the fence. right and and so i thought okay what if i got jane weedlin and dave alvin and henry rollins and keith morris in the second one and Mm -hmm. you know all these different people to to write chapters so that it came from different sources Mm -hmm. and then also that way i didn't have to be like the expert i didn't have to get Mm -hmm. everything right yeah um 
but and the other reason was because uh you know we got the neutron bomb was 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 more like um uh please don't kill me you know where it was like an oral history right yeah. you know brendan uh would call people up and talk to them and they would just say whatever they remembered but there wasn't a lot of fact checking and and there and it, so i thought you know what if people tell it in their own words they have to write it down and they have to look mm-hmm. at it and say is that the story i want to tell yeah. am i going to get sued um yeah. Is it is it is it factual and stuff like that? And you would also get the the mood of their story. I mean, as much as I loved the fact that women were equals, more equal, not full equals, but more equal in the punk rock world than they had been in other yes. you know kind of rock and roll movements. Yeah. Um, I can't tell that story because mm. I'm not a woman. Yeah, but Jane Weedland could, and so could Exine, and so could the the other women, Charlotte Caffey, and people like that. They could tell that story. And as much as I loved the fact that the you know kids from East LA joined in with like the Brat and Los Illegals and people like that, I can't tell that story because right, I'm right. not then. So we got Teresa Corrubias from the Brat and and uh, Robert Lopez from the Zeros to to write chapters. And so you get, you know, these different and everyone had their own voice. And, and, you know, I kind of, I wrote a bunch of chapters and tied it together with these little interstitial pieces. And, mm-hmm. I know it's uh, awesome. Uh, so good. Yeah. Thank it, you it for was, writing those. Thank you for making rewarding. that happen. Yeah. And, and the second one ended up being more uh, like how that kind of alt country um, world and people getting, like the Go-Go's getting incredibly famous, how that mm-hmm. influenced other art forms. So we asked people yeah. like Tim Robbins and Allison Anders and Tony Hawk and Shepard Ferry to write like how they were affected by that second wave. From that, The second one was from um, 82 to 87. First mm-hmm. one was from 77 to 82 and then uh-huh. 82 to 87. So... Yeah, it was it was rewarding because you feel like it, it kind of set the record straight. Yeah, I think that's people so that so like, well, I mean, like like your books, you know, it 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 gives people the feeling of being there. And and if people want to, you know, like what was it like? Well, here. Yeah. Yeah. I can get. <laughs> yes, there's something, yes. I like that. Yeah. I like being part of that myself. You yeah. know, and the groupie word, trying to save it all my life. Yeah. Redeem it. <laughs> Absolutely. And really and you have, it. You have. You've, you've, you've expanded that definition and that's cool. Thank you. That's what that was. That's what I've been doing. I guess I've done my job, John. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sure has been awesome speaking with you. And I would like to end on a, an, with an next song that I love. Yes. In this house that I call home, which I just love that one. Oh, well, I would I would say that song was one of the first sort of country influenced. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's songs. why I love it. Yeah, it is. It is kind of it can be played like a bluegrass song. Mm-hmm. And I was I would give Dave Alvin and Jeffrey Lee Pierce some credit for that, and also um, the band Love oh. for their what was their song? It was um, oh, there's so many that I love. But no, Home Home Hotel was that one of their songs? I don't know if that's the title. 
there was a song that they had that had home house and home or home and yeah. hotel yeah yes yes or something I, like that and i kind of did a play on words with mm. in this house i call home oh yeah well that's good to give them a little boost yeah yeah what a, a great lot of people band. don't love know love. about them but boy i love them i love love saw yes. them play many times i bet i bet well thank you john what a thrill thank you miss pamela and a thrill it's been it was it was a pleasure and it's nice to talk to someone who knows something <laughs> <laughs> who has actual wisdom and doesn't say in the first paragraph that they talk to you about and says, you know, this is only my third interview and you're going like, Oh no, <laughs> I have so much work to do in this interview now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did have a little work to you. You kept trying to keep me on track there and I really appreciate no, it. We, we wandered. We did. We had a good wander. Yes. Excellent wandering. Okay. Well, mwah, thank you. Thank I love you, you and love uh, you hope to see you soon. I hope so in person. Big hug. Yes. yes. We'll have a big hug. Yeah. All okay. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye. How about that? You know, I'm still breathing heavily from talking to John freaking Doe. And I hope you enjoyed that. We went deep. You know, I love going deep with my guests. I think it, we should all go deep, okay? Stay off the surface level. And thank you for listening. I'm Pamela DeBar. I have several books. You know, I think I'll tell you today about Let's Spend the Night Together, which is my book about 25 other groupies and their amazing stories. You know, I'm out to redeem the G word. It's been very important in my life to redeem that word. And that's what that book's about. So please read that one. And I want to thank Pantheon Podcasts for having me as a podcaster. I think this was my 29th or so. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm going to be doing more of them. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for listening. And please pick up all of John Doe's work. You've been listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, produced by Aaron Alden and Christian Swain. All sound design by Jerry Danielson and Busy Signal Studios. Find Miss Pamela at Pamela DeBar on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Find all the Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts find us on facebook at facebook.com backslash pantheon podcasts rock and roll archaeology on instagram 
and Pantheon Pods on Twitter. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.